Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little, and welcome to a new season of the podcast. I'm excited to be back. I've been brainstorming a lot of folks to have for the coming year, and I hope, well, I hope when I ask them to come on that they will be obliging and it will be a great conversation. Today, uh, Houston is <laughs> under Tropical Storm Imelda's grasp. I guess she's actually a tropical depression now. She turned into a tropical storm sometime quickly on Monday, came ashore fast, and it was really unorganized and kind of crazy there for a while. And thankfully, while you may have seen a lot of the flooding going on, the bulk of it has been between Houston and Beaumont. Beaumont has had a lot of flooding as well, and some of those areas that were not hit hard during Hurricane Harvey were actually hit hard during uh, Imelda. But thankfully, for some reason, I'm in the northwest quadrant of Houston, and the northwest quadrant had the least amount of rain. Uh, in fact, yesterday, as I'm recording this, yesterday would be Wednesday, the 20, I'm sorry, the 18th. We only had about 0.6 inches of rain, and then we had a heavier rain this morning. And I'd be surprised if we got to two inches of rain over the last two days, which honestly is something we seriously needed. Um, we've been having a drought the last couple of months. So having that bit of rain was kind of thirst quenching. But um, if you've listened for the podcast for several years, you know that I live on a pond while well, the pond's not even going over the spillway. So that kind of says how drastic it is from my point of view over here in Northwest Houston area to what it is uh closer in town to Southeast Houston over to Beaumont. And, and even my a former coworker, she lives over in the Kingwood area in uh, Northeast Houston. She had so much more rain than we did. So it's, it's been quite drastic and that's, you know, what about 45 minute drive away. So it's pretty interesting what these systems can do. I'm very thankful that we weren't impacted this time. I know, I know our time will come again just a matter of waiting for that but this is what this is what happens in Houston a lot so as I mentioned f mentioned the drought but I, let's rewind just a little bit to summer summer was rather mild and kind of moist in the early part of the summer and then July came along and the rain stopped the heat amped up which is what it normally does and we got hot and dry and crunchy and my husband and I and my son went to Alaska for two weeks at the end of August and early September and we came back from basically enjoying mid-ish fall up there to, to full-on summer again and everything being rather crisp all of our trees were not looking so hot some some had started browning leaves um, a lot of other trees, just larger mature trees were just already just saying, ah, screw it. Let's go into fall dormant mode already. And it, it was definitely looking dry and it still does look dry. I mean, we've got what almost those two inches in the last couple of days, but like I said, our pond isn't over the, over the spillway. The pond across the street from me is barely up, maybe a few inches. <laughs> it, it's not enough to break a, the drought over here. I would definitely say if there was any kind of drought conditions along the Texas coast from Matagorda to Galveston to, to Beaumont and Port Arthur, that's all broken. But for a lot of Texas right now, especially central Texas, Austin, they're having an even worse drought than my neck of the woods. So we could use a little bit of rain, maybe not in the form of 20 inches over two days, <laughs> maybe two inches for one day and then a few days later, two more inches. 
can I ask that mother nature? <laughs> so that's kind of what we're looking at right now here in Texas. Uh, let's see, earlier this summer, I embarked on a soil solarization plan for our edible garden. In the summer of 2015, we let our, our edible garden get very weedy because I'd had my son, I couldn't manage it, and it was just kind of crazy. And so we let a lot of weeds take over. And I have, I've shared photos of those online uh, at the Garden Path Podcast Instagram page before. And it was a disaster. We got everything under control, but I've been paying for that with a hefty seed bank for the last four years. And honestly, I'm tired of, I was tired of it. And I heard on Margaret Roach's podcast earlier this year, I believe, a guest talked about soil solarization and how it was helpful for, for getting weeds down. And, and I, I knew about the process for the last few years, but I hadn't really read up on it. And finally, I told my husband, I was like, I'm done. Let's try this. Let's see if it helps. And so we kind of piecemealed it. I had to remove the first couple inches of soil, which was basically the decomposed mulch out there. I weeded everything and kind of worked in paths and sections. So we bought the clear uh, plastic sheeting that was recommended in that podcast. And I hauled away the, the dirt I dug up and I put it in a couple low spots in our yard. So I was moving wheelbarrows of that. And then I had to put the sheeting down. I had to haul rocks that thankfully we had for a couple landscaping projects that, you know, we may do in the future. So we had some rocks and things like that to hold the, the plastic down and moving those by wheelbarrow. It was a very, very, uh, it was a workout. I will say that there was no need to be running or lifting weights for the times that I was doing that because that was a workout in itself. So that was great. I worked on that in pieces and then I would, after, you know, about a month, I would um, take the sheeting off. If there was any weeds that were germinating underneath, which was, did happen, because really the the weed that's the worst is called chamber bitter. It's a tropical weed. So it makes sense that I'm still going to want that heat and humidity and still germinate under there. For the most part, I did a pretty good job of pre-weeding, but there's still obviously seeds that were, were coming up after, even even though they had the plastic sheeting down. So I would reweed that, whatever come up, then I put in mulch down, and then I just moved along, did the next section. Um, whatever I could. And I finally finished that up last weekend. I had just a little, I don't know, 20 foot section and then a little bit section right as you walked inside our gate of the edible garden. And uh, I'm so glad. I'm very tired of moving mulch. <laughs> I still actually need to move some of the rocks. I had moved a lot of the rocks back already, but I still had what I was using for that little section. So I need to haul those back. I haven't had a chance to do that, but all of that's mulched. In addition, I had put new compost down in a lot of the flower, the edible beds. I added, my husband created some biochar this summer. We ended up taking a tree down uh, that I wasn't really wanting to do. It was a hickory. My neighbor had thought it was leaning further than it already was. And it was leaning over his, one of his, the power that goes to his house. And, you know, it was one of those, I don't think it is, but what if it is and something happens and it falls and we had to pay for getting that, that line restrung. I didn't like it, but we took it down. So, and I think he actually paid for half of it. So that was a bonus, but, and so we had that and we added that to the garden. And then I also added bat guano from our bats. And if you listen, I think season two, my husband was on to talk about the bat house he built 
and I'll link that in the show notes for this episode. But anyway, the bats have colonized. They've have a pretty big colony some parts of the year, and so they have guano droppings underneath the house. And my husband's been kind of trying to keep that in a bucket, and I ended up mixing some of that into our beds. So hopefully, with some compost, we'll kind of boost some of the nutrition in our beds because when we do rain here and rain's heavy my edible garden does flood so I do get a lot of leaching of nutrients out and that can be incredibly frustrating. Now in the edible garden I don't actually have a lot growing. I intentionally prepared those beds before we left for Alaska so that I'd return and I could plant fall crops but because it's been so hot and dry I have not planted anything yet and it's September 19th as I'm recording this. I'm hoping over the next few days to the week, I will start getting some things in like radish, maybe kohlrabi, um, some early winter greens that can take some heat and then wait another month and then really get into the cold season. I know a lot of people here in Houston do a lot of uh, germinating under lights for early fall planting, but uh, I've never done that. And right now it just was not going to work out with our vacation plans and watering and all of that. So I... And honestly, all that work I did in the summer, I'm not exactly like all that enthused about getting underway with fall gardening yet. So I feel like I'm kind of beat and tired. <laughs> now in the flower garden this year, um, it looked pretty good for a while. I, because I was focusing on the edible garden so much this summer, I kind of let the flower garden do its own thing. I, I did weed it several times, so it's not in a bad shape at all in that aspect, but I did let a couple um, native plants that are more, I guess you could call them weedier, grow just because I needed some space filled out and I was fine with that. And the, the pollinators and bugs and insects and all of that have been enjoying that, but I definitely will not let as many pop up next year. Maybe two or three, five versus the probably 10 or 15 that I've let grow. And they look fine again, and I'm going to chop them down here soon and put them into our compost pile. But um, that was kind of my method this year is like if it grows and it's not terrible and it's not an actual bad, nasty weed, it can grow. I did try sowing and planting from purchases at some local nurseries, a couple different plants. Um, one plant that I've been very impressed with is called Wingstem verbicina alternifolia or alternifolia alternifolia. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I have been loving it. It has been deer resistant, knock on wood, so far, and it has been a very nice bloomer. And I did see, supposedly, it can be reseed and kind of be, I guess, quote, invasive. I don't really appreciate when people use invasive on native plants, per se. And that's a rant for another day. <laughs> um... But I guess you could just say it could be aggressive. And honestly, I don't mind something like that being aggressive, especially if it's deer aren't going to touch it. And I have a big deer problem. The deer rummage through my garden and eat my favorite things and supposed things that are deer resistant. And you come to home one day and find it's been chewed up. So I'm always on the lookout for those kind of plants. So yeah, the flower garden needs some attention. Maybe in a few weeks when we actually get some cooler weather, highs in the 80s instead of high 90s and 100s, uh, I will spend some time out there revamping, kind of getting it prepped for fall and, and winter and, and looking at that some. 
But right now, I'm not really in the mood. Like I said, I'm I'm still kind of burnt out and taking some time, some time off from the garden at the moment. So speaking of Alaska, that was an amazing, amazing trip. My husband and son and I, we, we sailed from Vancouver on a cruise ship and stopped in Ketchikan, Juneau, and Skagway, and then had a tour of Glacier Bay and then the Hubbard Glacier before we ended up in Seward, where we took a train to Anchorage, and then we spent about five days around Anchorage and then up in Denali, and getting to see all of that, and man, I am impressed with Alaska. I honestly, I didn't really know much about it going in, other than just what you would just assume about Alaska, and some general ideas, but I was super impressed, and I am now, it's now my it's probably my favorite state now. Sorry, Florida. Sorry, Maine. I also love Maine. Yes. And being a Texan, you know, Texas always has the, we're so big. Texas, this is the great state of Texas. And, and I can say that I'm a native born Texan, so I don't feel bad being critical here. But Alaska, 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 Alaska is humongous. Texas is, has nothing to uh, to brag about on that end. And I actually, I, now that I've been there, I think it's kind of hilarious that we're like that. <laughs> and Texas is big. I mean, it does take all day to get out of the state. And you're like, are we still in the state? Yes, you are. But Alaska is even worse than that. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But I fell in love with the, the taiga, the boreal forest, the temperate rainforests around Ketchikan is just so beautiful and so different. And I think I was also kind of enamored by the cool weather. So who can blame me? Okay, on the subject of the podcast. So this is the Garden Path podcast. It is a gardening podcast, but because I don't want to start a second podcast called like NatureCast, I'm going to keep the Garden Path podcast, but I'm also going to zoom out just a bit. Um, and I've done that on some episodes in the past where it's not necessarily strictly about gardening. I'm going to zoom out just a little bit, talk a little bit more about nature, ecology from some other standpoints, just to kind of diversify the podcast a little bit. Also because of my interests and I want to keep myself interested in doing the podcast, but also share my interests with you guys. Now, I, I enjoy listening to podcasts that are more how-to. I don't enjoy doing how-to unless it's something more niche or something that I'm personally familiar with. And for the simple fact that a lot of the how-to is, I wouldn't say a dime a dozen, but you can find how-tos for all sorts of things on the internet from Instagram to blogs to YouTube and all of that. I don't really want to be another voice of how-to or or even just interviewing some of, not to say the same people necessarily, because I don't want, that's kind of a put down, I would say. But again, I just want to introduce some different voices to to the podcast world, to the garden world, and get some of those folks out there. So I've been brainstorming that a little bit. So do expect a little bit of a different uh, feel this year than necessarily strictly gardening. There will still be plenty of that though. Also kind of in that vein, I also have a second podcast called Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. So there are a couple episodes that I have recorded on that one and aired before that actually cross over pretty well. And I will be airing a couple of those and 
this season and if, and in the future if I come across any of those again. So expect that if you happen to listen to both. Uh, you may hear something you've already heard. But I think that will be something else that you might be interested in. So I'm going to share it. Now, in the past, if you listen to episodes, I've talked about my newsletter. I've kind of stopped writing that. Honestly, it was something I did enjoy, but I didn't have a huge subscriber list for one. And for two, it was just kind of something that was taking up time that I thought I had to do and I was not enjoying so much. So I've kind of put that on hold. If you're subscribed to that, just stay tight. It's going to be there for a while until I, if I ever decide to disband it, I will send a final like, hey, see you later. Um, I'm going to delete this and your email sort of thing. But for now, it's kind of dormant. So if you've thought you've been missing that, you haven't. I've just not been putting that out. Okay, with that, I guess I'll run down everywhere you can find me. The podcast is at thegardenpathpodcast.com. It's where you can find all the show notes. You can find a little bit about me, about the podcast, listen to previous episodes. You can also find me at oceanicwilderness.com. That's where I write about my garden. I write about hiking. I write about nature. I write about my son, uh, family things. It's just, it's where I've blogged for well over 10 years. There's a lot of different things there. (laughs) Some archives that go back to about 2010. I have some older archives that it don't really promote anymore, but um, yeah, all of that's there. You can also find me on the Orange Blaze podcast. That's orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. And that podcast is a monthly podcast where I release one to two episodes at one time um, during that month. So if you're interested in hiking on the Florida Trail or do any kind of outdoorsy things related to Florida and the Florida Trail, that is a show to listen to. I am on Instagram at the Garden Path Podcast, and you can email me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to be a guest on the show, suggest someone else to be a guest on the show. Um, I know I don't always say yes to every person who's, who's, who's emailed me, but I, I always take everybody into consideration and see if it fits with how I would want to work the season or the content that I want to put out in the podcast sphere. Okay, with that, I'm going to sign off. Welcome to season five and I hope you guys all enjoy it.